Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a podcast discussing all things Greenock Morton. My name is Dean McKinnon and I am your host. Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with themortonforum.com, your hub for the latest Morton news, analysis and debate. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. All participants on this podcast do so in an entirely personal capacity and as such their views are entirely personal to them. Just a quick warning that this podcast may contain a bit of adult language. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Just one cornetto, Hello and welcome to the Just One Cornetto podcast. I am your host, Craig Dunning. Dean is absent again and was foolish enough to let me host this again. I'm joined today by Alan Coyle. How are you, Alan? I'm absolutely fine. Uh, it's Monday, the sun is shining, uh, but it means we've got four days left in the working week. But yeah, aye, as good as we can go, I suppose. Aye, good stuff. So let's crack right on. So Morton hosted Queen of the South on Saturday at Capelo in the first game fans could attend again without social distancing. There were two changes to the Morton side with Mark Russell and Reese Lyon replacing Lewis McGregor and the suspended Cameron Blues. Queen of the South took the lead through Ali Roy with a rebound from a penalty after Kyle Jacobs brought Willie Gibson down in the box before Jacobs then equalised from a Reese Lyon corner. In the second half, Queen's ran into a 3-1 lead and despite pulling it back to 3-2, Morton couldn't find the equaliser and suffered the first defeat of the season. So Alan, what did you make of the start in 11 and the first half performance in general? So the, I mean, the start in 11 had absolutely no surprises at all. Um, Blues is out. The main midfielder that you've got coming in is always going to be Reese Lyon. Even though We've, we've got to admit that the two of them are not the same type of player um, so it, it was obviously something straight away that there's a wee bit of a concern kind of th- that, that, that I'm kind of thinking are we going to be a wee bit more open and I think that kind of did transpire a wee bit uh, Russell coming in for McGregor I think was a, an obvious one I'm kind of imagining that well I was about to say Russell's been maybe given a wee bit of time to, to bed in but bearing in mind that he was halfway through a season wasn't he with Finn Harps um, so, yeah, I the the starting eleven, the, no no real complaints over it. Um, the first half, we I, th- I thought we started quite well. Um, but what kind of became apparent was that Queens had done their homework on us quite a wee bit. Um, they appeared to have was it Debayo, Josh Debayo, uh, was kind of clearly doing some sort of man marking job on Gozi, and he. Yep. Uh, Kind of pretty much appeared to snuff him out. Um, as well as that, I think they'd maybe looked at our lack of width, uh, realizing that the way that we our narrow midfield setting up, that uh, there is space in front of space down the sides, and very much you could see that Willie Gibson in particular, they did clearly pinpointed Darren Hines um, to isolate him a wee bit and to try and get at him, um, which was one of the more glaring things and I know that that obviously kind of led to the to to the penalty um, 
but I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd get back into the game and by half time, I think we were, it, it was almost as if we'd kind of ridden a wee bit of a storm and that we were maybe going to kick on a wee bit in the second half. But obviously, um, that didn't quite transpire. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. I mean, I don't think we were doing anything particularly differently tactically what wasn't working, but aye, the difference to games like Dunfermline and Hamilton was that Queen of the South had pinpointed Ugu and knew how to stop him, and where Dunfermline and Hamilton just couldn't handle him. Queen of the South pretty much marked him out the game, and you take away that out ball from this Morton team, and the entire team behind them pretty much stops functioning as an attacking force, and it sort of leads to the midfield just not being able to impose themselves on the game either. And yeah, I think that that came to pass. So, so looking at specific incidents... With a penalty, first of all, Willie Gibson picks up a ball from a throw-in, beats Darren Hines, and then he's wiped out by Kyle Jacobs. Then Ali Roy steps up to take the penalty. Jack Hamilton saves it, but Roy gets onto the rebound. I thought there were a few errors here, and that when the throw-in comes in, Reese Lyon was sleeping, frankly. Uh, Gibson's unmarked. Lyon wasn't picking anyone up while standing four or five yards away from he should have been switched on to that. Darren Hines, to be honest, was as well not being there. Gibson got beyond him that easily. And then that left Jacobs in a pretty impossible situation where he's got no choice but to commit to that challenge and ends up wiping him out. Um, you're talking about Darren Hines there. He had a pretty difficult afternoon. Willie Gibson's an experienced championship player, obviously, but he really ran rings around him all day. And there maybe is a question about how well he's adapting to championship football. Yeah, um, I I think as well though, uh, as I'd said about the the kind of formation that we're playing there and playing that narrow midfield does um, does allow teams to get at uh, to get at our fullbacks. Um, I thought it was I, I, I'd kind of mentioned earlier on there. Um, there was times that I was kind of looking at how we were kind of shaping up. And I was looking to see if this was just how we were shaping up from like opposition kickoffs and and from us having the ball. But the, the, the things did seem. Uh, the, there was times we appeared to be a three, and Hines is a wee bit higher. There was times when Russell's kind of dropped in, and he's at left back, and you get Strap at, at centre half, and you've got a uh, Ledger further over. I'm kind of wondering if that was an attempt to kind of double up and kind of kind of deal with the with the threat that they had, because they obviously had, uh, as well as having Gibson um, over there, um, they had pantomime villain Rory Payton over in, in the in the other side as well. Um, they, they they had quite a wee bit of width. I've got to say, I know, looking at a Queen's, Queen of South squad, I don't know what you thought about, about them yourself and how they, how they did, but on paper, they looked like one of them they could have been, I can't say that as somebody at a game, they looked as though they could have been like a Falkirk for three years ago, you know, your Paul Hartley put together a squad that, you know, of, was it Ruben Samet and all these guys that people are thinking, oh man, these these, these are guys from English academies. and Aye, just and, total riggers. And they turn, but I mean, they, they did have guys from English academies like uh, your boy Nditi that they got from, from Forfar, but as well as that, a big boy Dabayo, um, you've got Suarez up front. I, I I thought they looked possibly the way that we played made them look a bit decent, but they they looked a, they they looked not a bad outfit. Which, to be honest with you, for me, 
bearing in mind where we're thinking that we're going to finish was a wee bit concerning um, in terms of kind of how things are going to go this season. I don't, I don't know what you thought about them. They were, I was kind of unpleasantly surprised by how they kind of by how they performed, really. Yeah, I think as you say, and we've already talked about how they did a number on Ugwe. I thought they just had a tactic spot on as well. They did sort of exploit how narrow our midfield is and use that to get the fullback. So, yeah, I think a lot of it was tactical and you have to give credit to Alan Johnson for that. But yeah, I would say with Queen of the South squad, while they're in a similar position to Morton in that they're sort of scraping at the bottom end of the full-time market and you have to take gambles in that. And yeah, they are absolutely a side I expect to see in the relegation battle come the end of the season. So a lot of the signings they've made are sort of like guys like Murray Payton and and Indy They're the sort of players who you're picking a player up for a lower league and you're not thinking, God, why the hell have they signed him? It's more, okay, this is a guy who's been playing part-time who's actually been hyped up as one of the better players in the lower leagues. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you would expect them to maybe get a shot at one of the lower-end full-time clubs. So, ah, yeah, there's definitely flaws in that squad. But we should have I, mean, been I, I, th- I think it's a I'm better squad than we had last season probably. Uh, I'm going to say that. I know we've not gone on to second half yet, but just, just to make an observation, we should have beaten them. I don't know what you think. Aye, we, we, had, we, should, we should have. At one each and two one, we've had chances. Clyde Eats is a new Inverclyde-based food ordering app launching on the 1st of September, aiming to showcase the finest food on offer in the local area. They feature some of Inverclyde's most popular restaurants, takeaways and desserts. Clyde Eats is available to download from the App Store and Google Play. For more information, visit their website www.clydeats.co.uk or search for at Clyde Eats on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Clyde Eats, take away the local way. Yeah, so we got an equaliser less than 10 minutes after going behind after a front post delivery from a reselling corner found Kyle Jacobs who'd lost his man. Anything much to say about that goal, or just you do have to acknowledge Queen of the South poor defending, I think? Yeah, and by, by all accounts, uh, the manager had noticed it prior to it as well, and apparently just kept shouting, uh, watch Kyle Jacobs, watch Kyle Jacobs, and they didn't, and it was a, <laughs> it was a, a, it was a uh, to use the cliche, it was a training ground move. Uh, it was a cracking wee run from uh, Jacobs, and a nice finish. Um, poor defending, but nicely taken by us. Um, so yeah, it was good that we were kind of back in the game at that point. Um, we we weren't really offering that much threat. I don't think at that point really were we. Um, Muirhead was. I know some people say I that he doesn't look as though he's putting up much of a shift, and he was. There was a lot of effort there, but there was not a lot of um, final product. I would say from us at that point. Um, just just in general with the shape of it. Um, we may possibly come on to a, a debate about the the usefulness or um, whether, whether or no we missed Cami Blues in that team there, but I don't know if you want to save that for later on. Uh, yeah, well, we may as well come on to that because I, with Reesline, I, that was a really good ball in for that equaliser, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think anyone could argue that he didn't do enough throughout that 90 minutes, and I would expect Blues to come back in after that performance. You know, we've argued a lot that 
I maybe Lyon just deserves a run of games. But regardless of your thoughts on a player, you do they just need that run of games. When they get their chance in those circumstances, when they have been out of the team, they need to take it. And for the most part of that game, he was pretty anonymous. He's got his chance. He's not taking it. I just... I, I just think as well, we'd, we'd, we'd spoke about what had happened with Hines. I think about that back four and how tight they've been previously. Um, I think the thing is, if they've got Blues and Jacobs sitting in front of them, it offers them a wee bit more protection, which then allows, which, which then frees up the four players that are in front of them, whether it's Oliver just sitting in front of them, whether it's Russell a wee bit further out wide, if you're playing the two strikers, um, I mean, I, I don't know, as Muirhead, is, is, is that a two up front we're playing? Um, it just, I, I just think it offers a wee bit more and it gives a wee bit more protection as well and it allows us to keep the ball a wee bit more. Now, whether or not that's just saying that uh, Cammy Blues is the best midfielder in the division and that there isn't anybody better out there, I just think he's seen, seen terms of what we've got. Chris Dodds on the podcast. Uh, hi. I'm just thinking, <laughs> I know, but I am. Um, <laughs> seeing terms of what we've got just now, it's, it's a sign that you could see the bench in Saturday, right? In terms of what we have in our squad and in terms of the team that we can put on the park, in terms of 11 best players that <sighs> mentioned square pegs and round holes before, I just think. Reese Lyon and the type of player that Reese Lyon is doesn't do. We we could argue all day about whether Reese Lyon's a better football player than Cami Cami Blues. Does I, 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 I would possibly argue that technically he's a much better technical player than Cami Blues is in terms of what we need as an eleven players on the part just now, and in terms of how we are and where we are at the moment. Unless we sign another couple of players, Blues is we, we missed him on Saturday. He needs to play. And that's not yeah. me doing Chris Dodds and saying that <laughs> by the way, he is. He is, by the way, uh, by twenty twenty four, he will be uh, the fulcrum of the Scotland midfield. You know, Billy Gilmer will be <laughs> nobody getting a game or anything. Just that. But in terms of what we've got just now, we've we've fair missed him. And imagine, can you imagine two years ago that we'd even be here saying, "I can't believe how much we missed Cami Blues." Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Dylan Dykes could have maybe done a job as well on Saturday. <laughs> right now, now we're definitely getting carried away. Um, but but I just talking about sort of the defence being left exposed a bit and needing that protection. I think having tactical flexibility within a starting eleven is a good thing. You know, having that ability to maybe switch between a back three and a back four at times, depending on the situation, push players higher or don't. When you've got sort of Jacobs as the only defensive-minded player in a midfield and you're effectively playing a forward and Gary Oliver in midfield as well, you do inevitably, if you're trying to be tactically flexible, end up leaving yourself exposed just as the game goes on. And I think we did see that. Um, I, do, I wouldn't go as far as writing Reese Lyon off, despite no, how poor no, he was on Saturday. But I think... If we're going to be playing sort of Gary Oliver in that deeper Lion role, Lion's your alternative to Oliver. and don't think the two of them in the same midfield is going to work. I totally agree with you. It's actually, it's it's no blues that's keeping Lion out of the team just now. If we're playing the formation that we're playing, it's Gary Oliver that's keeping Reese Lion out of the team. Aye. 
Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with the Inverclyde Boiler Company and the Inverclyde Bathroom Company. Shane and his team offer the very best design, installation, aftercare and customer service and are very proud to serve the Inverclyde community. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram or call them on 01475 503304. Okay, so the start of the first half is quite even. We had a chance to go 2-1 up with Robbie Muirhead swinging a ball in from the left for Alan Lithgow that went just by the post. But we went behind again 10 minutes into the half with what was, frankly, another farcical goal to concede from a set-piece with a ball to the back post where it looked to me like there were three Morton players around, one Queen of the South player, which somehow ended up with a Queen's player winning it, and then it ricocheted off Jacobs and in. Um, anything to say on that goal, Alan? I just... The, 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 there was at least one incident prior to that where we appeared to have a wee bit of trouble clearing the lines, which was an issue in the Dunfermline game, obviously, with the, the very least the first goal, possibly the second goal as well. Um, it seems to, it, it just it seems to be it's, it's a wee bit, I was about to say it's a matter for concern but bearing in mind how they set up and how they played at Hamilton um, it, 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 as you said it was farcical it, all three goals as Gus said were, were avoidable um, but I, the, the second one in particular it was very poor defending yeah, I think it is a bit of a concern just that, yeah, like teams are going to concede bad goals throughout seasons. Everyone's going to do it. But that's sort of three league games in. And yeah, we've had we've had an excellent clean sheet in there for all that. Our goal was maybe living a bit of a charmed life and we had to rely on some tremendous saves in that game. But you look at the two goals we conceded against Dunfermline, the three goals we conceded here, they're all avoidable and three of them have been set pieces that have been poorly defended. And if there's, if you are a side that's expecting to be in or around the relegation battle, then, yeah, you're going to lose bad goals at times. But you need to get the basics right and just competent organisation at set pieces is one of those basics. I absolutely. Um, it's, I, yeah, especially where we're going to be. Um organisation at set pieces and you'd think obviously in, in an attacking sense the one thing about having Lithgow there um, is that we we would have a threat going forward again another player that we're missing at the back and we're, we're hoping that he comes back soon obviously is, is uh, Big McLean um, yeah. because I think uh, having McLean and Lithgow at the centre of a defence whether that's in a three with Strap or um, Ledger or whether it's in the four with whether it's Ledger at right back or Hines at right back um, it's a, a, we look a different predicament with the two of them there um, so yeah and that's before we get to the third goal although there <laughs> obviously was a penalty incident in there somewhere as well um, at 2-1 aye, so, aye, at 2-1 down Aye, we're still very much in the game. You've got a chance for Knowles where the header from Ugo's cross mm-hmm. and there's, as you say, Oliver's penalty claim. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on the penalty shout? Right, so the penalty shout from where I was in the cow shed, the, straight away, just my gut instinct and pals around about me was, ah, oh, no, no, it's, that's, aye, that's a dive. Or, 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 sorry, he's going down 
no one to sound like Andy Walker or anything here, but he has anticipated contact. I think he's he's, he's thought he's going to get contact. The contact isn't coming. He's going down. Um, obviously, from his stand side, we've all seen the footage where it looks it looks like an absolute stonewaller. It does look like a stonewaller, but my instinct was that it wasn't a penalty. Um, but. I mean, it's all about opinions. Maybe I was maybe maybe I was looking at the wrong angle, um, but um, yeah, I'd, the the referee got a lot of lot of criticism on a couple of issues. I cannot like, earlier on, but up until about the last quarter, I didn't think he did that badly. Uh, there was a couple of instances in the last quarter, and he just seemed to lose control. Um, he, he he seemed to lose control uh, quite a wee bit, but that wasn't a penalty for me. Yeah, I think uh, I, the ref did let the game run away from him a bit, but I do completely understand why he's made the decision he's made on the penalty because, I, as you say, I think, I wouldn't call that a dive from Oliver. I think he's more huddled the challenge. He's seen it coming. Aye. But that makes the ref's decision understandable because he can look at it and see there's daylight between them. There's no contact. Mm-hmm. And I, you can say, well, it's the same this time tackle either way. But ultimately, if Oliver just takes the contact there, if he Aye. lets the defender clatter him, then it is a stonewall penalty. But the fact that he does you know, try to huddle the challenge, he creates a situation where there's no contact. He's the one who puts some doubt there and gives the ref a decision to make. So I, he maybe just needs to be a bit more streetwise than that. Yeah. Aye, so, uh, well, we're talking about how well you're still very much in the game at 2-1. But then Queen of the South get the third goal after 72 two minutes with uh, Ruben Suarez Jr. Uh, on the counter-attack as we were piling players forward. What did you think of that goal? <laughs> it just... I mean, it, 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 it's not only us piling players forward. It's come from... I can't remember if it was a throw-in or a, or a set piece of ours. And we've got... We're 2-1 down. Okay, we've got 18, 20 minutes left. There was still enough there, I thought, for us to to suggest that that we could have got something, and we just seemed to one fullback's got the ball, the ball switched to the other side, another fullback's got the ball, the ball's been intercepted. We've got two fullbacks that high up the pitch, um, and it was, I mean, well, well, you saw it. You've got um, Kyle Jacobs frantically scalping back to to help the two that are back there. I know some people. I see some people had kind of criticised Lithgow. I didn't think Lithgow could have been doing much more than he did actually. Um, it was a, it was just one of them goals that you're you're looking at thinking how are we conceding that? And then at that point we actually do have to kind of go for broke, and they've broken another at least two or three times, haven't they? Well, they could have got something because we've overcommitted. But I just what was so frustrating was. I didn't think we needed to absolutely go for broke as much as we did. I thought there was evidence there that we could have we could have got something for the game without doing that with eighteen minutes left. Aye, I think yeah, okay, you're a goal down in the last twenty minutes, you start pushing a bit more. But we went too cavalier too early. We didn't need to overcommit ourselves to that extent. Chances were still coming. And I you should not be leaving yourself that exposed at a goal down with 20 minutes to go. Speaking of Lithgow, yeah, to some extent he has been put in an impossible situation because 
he knows that Queen of the South have got spare men and he's leaving them open if he comes to commit to the ball. But I still do think that so the alternative to leaving the men behind them open for the pass is allowing an attacker to just waltz in on goal unchallenged. And I know that I, Jacobs, and I think it might have been King, were bombing back after it. But at the point that Lithgow does finally come over to shut the ball down, it's too late. You, you know, there's, all, there's already the space for the shot. Yeah. I yeah, think he, he should have done that about 10 yards further up the park. Yeah. And then... Yeah, maybe they do manage to to get the ball in and score anyway, but mm-hmm. it's just been made far too easy for him. Um, yeah, listen, I suppose we 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 have kind of mentioned a couple of these guys already. Um, the the subs that kind of came on, um, I don't know, you, no way to take your job here, but what did you make of them? Obviously, Knowles, Knowles, McGrath, and King. Um, what did you make of them? I thought Knowles was busy. It's sort of it's very hard to read much into a centre forwards uh, contribution in a situation like that, where a team is sort of just piling forward and getting increasingly desperate. It's pretty difficult for a forward to to have an impact on a game. But I do think he should have done better with that that chance he got for for Mugabe's cross with a header. I thought that's. And admittedly, I was watching it on the stream, uh, so I people who were in the ground might have had a better view than I did. But I, I thought that's a very good chance. There's a fair argument that I should be scoring with that. Um, McGrath and King. I mean, you can only expect so much. Um, Alex King's a 16 year old who's who's been flung into a championship game, which says a lot about the condition of the squad that we're having to do that. I think it's pretty unrealistic to expect much from a guy in that situation. And I don't, to to any extent, think he looked miles out of his depth or anything. But, yeah. You need better, I think. Uh, By this point in the game, I think it'd be fair to say that our attacks had got entirely speculative and desperate but we did get one back uh, with an own goal from Queen of South goalkeeper uh, spilling across it was a judge to be over the line personally I didn't think there was any foul on the goalkeeper there I know certainly the Queen of the South team did uh, I think people expect it to be a foul because goalkeepers are so heavily overprotected but yeah. for me there's no unfair contact there for me the controversy is deciding that's over the line because I, I certainly didn't think it was yeah I think that is, yep, that is the, that, that is it. And everybody plus the referee have looked at the linesman and then the linesman's looked at the referee and I think the linesman has looked for the referee to help him out by calling a foul on a goalkeeper and the referee's not. So he, he's just thought, oh no. And he's he's, he's called the goal. Um, you see, at that point, it was it, it was pretty clear the way that we were going. It was balls into the box, and it was there was just there was no structure to it at all. You, had, I, I just thought you'd go in Lithgow going for the same ball. Um, what was one of the abiding memories of the game, by the way, is probably going to be when when as soon as they put Lithgow up front, was Lithgow chasing a ball down the left channel, like kind of spinning away like a like a sort of Kenny Miller type forward chasing us down and you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> it was like, you know, it was, it was old yellow 
or something. <laughs> you know, um, but um, I've got to say, I'd mean, I, I, I no mention before. You know, I, I quite like to look at nose. Um, couldn't really tell exactly that much. But will he play as a direct striker? Will we play him slightly out wide? I'm not sure. Um, there was enough there to suggest that he could that, that he could play a role for us. Um, see the other subs as well. Um, obviously McGratton. Uh, I've liked McGratton every time I've seen him. To the extent that I would say that you can you, you can see him having a role in our team in terms of kind of out wide right. The boy King, he's sixteen year old. He's a big lumpy boy. You can see there's something there. He was he's. He looked to get involved. The incident with Peyton shows that he's not a shrinking violet. Um, I just think in the last 15 minutes or so, we needed somebody with a wee bit of more composure than he was able to show. Um, he's got enough there to show that I think he's going to be a right good prospect for us um, and somebody that we'll, we'll look forward to watching, I think. But it just maybe shows as well the glaring deficiencies when we've, when we've got a, pros- a, a prospect from our under 18s right right enough but when we're looking to make a change in our midfield that that's what we've got to bring on um yeah i think that takes us on nicely to, to talking about the transfer window which we're about to enter the final week of yeah. so gus mcpherson said that he's still looking to add three or four but that he's happy with his midfield options as they are so um do you agree with that? <laughs> I think we can guess the answer. And uh, do you have the confidence that we're going to see the signings that we need? Right. I think what you've got here is... Gus is I mean, can Gus actually come out and say, no, I'm not happy with it as a manager, thinking possibly that if he doesn't bring players in, what impact that is possibly going to have on the midfielders that we have in there already? If you're... Do you know what I mean? Um, whether or not that's... That's a, that's a manager saying something that he's got to say in the media, in the press. Clearly, two, three weeks ago, uh, to the same outlets, Gus has said, nah, we're, we're, we're four players short. I think it was four he mentioned, didn't he? We're four Aye. players short. Um, he's brought a striker in. Um, now, what I found interesting as well is that Gus had, to his credit, said, you know, we waited and this was a target that we'd really been looking for and we'd been we'd had our eye on him and we were waiting for him to come available. Um, I noticed in Knowles' interview that he said um, that he'd gone back and he was hoping to get a run in Mansfield when he realised he hadn't. He'd gone to his agent and said, uh, can you find me a loan deal somewhere? So, I don't know. It's, I don't know whether or not this was our man that we'd been looking for yeah. all along, um, is what I'm saying. But it's clear as day we need something in the middle of the park. Um, we it, we are one injury away. I know we can say we are one injury away from a crisis in every position. We yeah. are specifically <laughs> one injury away again at centre-half from... I mean, Lewis Strap's going to need to play at centre-back if we're yeah. one out. Do you know what I mean? We, 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 we have nobody. Um, people can... Polish it up either way. Can shine up. Can can put whatever slant on it they want. Gus can say what he likes, but we all know that he knows as well that we need bodies in. Um, my my own thinking on it has been in terms of the bodies, that, how we're going to get them in and where, is that it's a domino effect. 
that um, will take to the final days of the window um, in terms of your Scottish European, Scottish teams that are in Europe just now, kind of holding on, seeing what their budget's going to be, seeing who they're going to be able to sign, and then you've got a trickle-down effect or a knock-on effect of players going to other teams. For example, if we're looking, say, at a forward, I've noticed Jamie Gullen's name has been mentioned. Um, and then in the other press, you've got the talk of Nisbet and, the Nisbet and Griffith sign between Celtic and, and Hibs. So one of them goes in, then you can probably see somebody like Gullen going out and loan, which yeah. would open up for us. Do you know what I mean? Um, my my concern is what our team is going to be at Firhill on Saturday because um, four points from two games is, is, is great. Four points from three games is... Possibly, if you look at the first three fixtures, it's possibly what we'd have maybe expected. Maybe not in the order that it happened. <laughs> Points from four games starts looking decidedly different, I think. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm a wee bit concerned about what the starting lineup's going to be on Saturday, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, look, we obviously do need more wide options and we need another centre-back who could ideally cover right-back as well. But... I'd go as far as saying that the central midfield is actually the glaring weakness in the squad. You know, we've had one central midfielder out suspended and we've had to resort to throwing a 16-year-old into a championship game because of that short run options. And yeah, that's no slight on, on King because yeah, he's not looked miles out of his depth. He's gone in and mixed it and he's not been like a rabbit caught in the headlights or anything, but the fact is, you shouldn't have to put a 16-year-old into that situation in the first place. And, yeah, I'd go as far as saying that if we were signing another four, I think there's actually an argument for two of them to be central midfielders. Uh, I think you could justify bringing in another holding player and another creative player. And, yeah, it's the it's the holding player that's, that's the main thing because I think there's... You've got question marks over both Lion and Blues as players. You've got it's not all of us natural position, but then we don't really have a real alternative to Jacobs. If if Jacobs was to get a lengthy injury, that midfield is looking pretty drastic. Yeah. Aye. So I yeah. I I really hope that those signings are gonna come in this week before the Parthic game. I think I I think um, when you look at the 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 players that we've kind of brought through the ranks um, this season. So a lot had been mentioned about Garrity and we've mentioned McGratton there. I think what the telling thing is about King is that King is the basically the next step down of that type of player in that position. Do you know what I mean? Of of your kind of maybe more robust kind of defensive players, almost like your box to box like Blues is or like Jacobs is. King comes in to that. He he's the next one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which um, I, uh, yep. Yeah, I, I I would say that as something of a can of, of of a huge concern. Um, we've got to trust the manager, I suppose, as well. But it, it, the the nature of the squad, I think everybody in Capital on Saturday was 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 commenting. I think this is something kind of that that. There'd be pretty much uniform agreement on, I think. 
in terms of the squad and in terms of what everybody's seeing. Um, I think everybody's singing for the same him sheet in that one. And we really need to bring players in. I know that it had been mentioned the 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 fear, the dreaded quantity sorry, quality, not quantity. Um it, it was was mentioned and then what happens is probably we're scrambling about in September the first and you're <laughs> looking at the quality players and the quality players are guys that have not had any game time for I don't know, St St Murn or something like that. Um but you never know, he might pull a rabbit out. He might pick he might pull a, a gunning or a Murdoch or a Jamie Lindsay or something like that out the hat, but um we live in hope. Yeah. <laughs> Titan Spiced Rum is inspired by Clydeside heritage and Inverclyde's incredible scenery. Their aged Caribbean rum is infused with Scottish raspberries, a hint of golden syrup, exotic spices and pure Caledonian water. You can now pre-order their second batch, which is available from the 2nd of July. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Titan Spirits LTD. Okay, so to sum up, uh, next week we travel to Firhill, as mentioned, against Partick Thistle. We've got 500 tickets for that one, so we'll hopefully manage to sell those out. Elsewhere in the division, uh, our broth beat the aforementioned Partick Thistle 3-1 at Gayfield, and if you think the goals we can see the were bad, I highly recommend you go and look at our bro's third. Oh, On Friday... Oh, yeah. That's that's a hoot. <laughs> uh, on Friday night, Wraith Feed on Fairland was abandoned after 13 minutes as electricity hasn't reached Fife yet. Uh, indeed. <laughs> uh, Kilmarnock won two way away, away at Hamilton while Air United travelled to Inverness where they narrowly lost 1-0 after an own goal by none other than Sean McGinty. A shocking development and I'm sure we'll be hearing more from the East Marling FC Twitter account soon. <laughs> By the way, was it was it an own goal or did he just leather the ball off the guy? Off Tom Walsh? Um, I am not entirely sure. Um it's quite hard to tell from the highlights what actually happened, but I'm going with the explanation that puts the most blame on Sean McGinty. Could I direct could I heart, heartily make a recommendation here of um having a wee look at some of the um United, the, the United thread in Pine Bovril. Um, it's it, by the way, it could almost be our own thread this time last year. The comments that have been made about certain players and the style of play and the rest of it. Um, I don't want to gloat too much at this point, I suppose, bearing in mind that we have only won one game this season and we've conceded five goals uh, at home in two games, but um. Yeah, Schadenfreude, I think, um, is the phrase we're looking for here. Yeah, it's... Um, you could say it was somewhat surprising to see this happen, but that would be a complete lie. This was entirely predictable the second David Topkin got their United job. And good. Get it right up him. <laughs> so, on that beautiful note, uh, thank you very much for joining us, Al. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you. And thank you for listening. Well, that's the show, folks. Remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news, discussion and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at the Morton Forum. Yeah.